Welcome to Formations, a podcast that allows you to learn and reflect on a relationship of growth with Jesus Christ. We're students at Gordon College studying biblical studies, Christian ministries, and theology. Marley and I teamed up to bring you this four-part series called Formations, which will dive into how we, as the body of Christ, can foster spiritual growth that encourages authentic discipleship on social media and beyond. We're recording at the beginning of May 2021. The flowers are blooming and we're all pretending it's warmer outside than it actually is. back to formations with Marley Grace and Ellen. This is Marley Grace speaking and I'm so excited to be jumping back into conversation with my dear friend Ellen about consumption and media and how we can talk about what it looks like to have discipleship and community online. So this podcast is going to be why is this going on? Why has there been such a shift to social media over the past 20 years? And we're going to be looking at different theological approaches um, to the challenges of consumption with different theological scholars and pastors. So Ellen, I am super excited about this conversation. How are you feeling about jumping in into the why of this question? I'm excited. Um, (laughs) We're going to be taking a deep dive into looking at Walter Brueggemann's options for creatureliness, consumer or citizen. That is a lot of words. I am really excited for you to dive into that and to make that more understandable to, you know, the average person. Because, man, I know I'm a Christian ministries and biblical studies major, (laughs) but I'm going to need you to unpack that a little bit. So let's see. Let's see what you got, Ellen. I'm going to try my best. I found this article so, so fascinating. And we're going to start by defining two words, creator and creature. Brueggemann takes an approach on creator that is uh, Yahweh is known, named, confessed, and celebrated in the doxologies of Israel. When he's saying doxologies, he's usually referring to the Psalms. Oh, awesome. And uh, Yahweh provides all that the world might require for its joyous life and secure well-being. Yahweh as creator is nurturer and nourisher, offering daily sustenance for all creatures. He is providing a Sabbath um, in order that the, that his creation can receive and be on the receiving end of the generosity of the creator. And he provides an abundance. And one of these acts of abundance is the daily act of eating. And so this whole discussion is going to be actually framed around eating, which might seem a little strange because we're I'm thinking for about- it. <laughs> I'm for it. We're thinking about social media, but you can think of eating as also what do we daily intake in Mm. our minds? What do we daily take into our bodies? What do we take into our emotions, into our relationships? Um, But we're going to just frame that in food, which I think most people will easily understand. Yeah, let's get it. (laughs) Even if they're not as engaged on social media, I think we all understand eating. Mm -hmm. Um, So this creator is the one that provides through that daily act of eating. And we offer praise to this creator for his provision. And the church finds God's presence peculiarly and concretely in bread and wine, the staples of peasant food, bread and wine, blessed and broken. Wow. And this is obvious, maybe not as obviously, but this is obviously a reference to the Eucharist um, where we receive Christ's body, the bread and the wine. Ellen, could you explain maybe another term for Eucharist for some people who might be more in the evangelical church and don't use that term uh, day to day? Uh, The Eucharist refers to also the Lord's Supper. This might be another way you've heard it. Yeah. 
is there is there another way communion oh yeah communion yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah however and and this can be done weekly this can be done uh monthly it de- it depends on your tradition but and, and different traditions have an understanding of uh is this is this christ physical body or is this a spiritual remembrance mm. meal there's some different perceptions here but um, we all understand at the core that this is a gift yeah. and this is a time to remember what Christ has done and be aware of his presence. The second word that Brueggemann um, works with is creature. And this is the one that is fed. After somebody has eaten, they can feel full. And this just means we're just talking about being satiated, which is another just term for feeling like yeah, oh, I ate a good meal and I'm no longer hungry. Satiated is more than enough. It means that there is no unmet need or desire. The entire range of of your hunger has been fulfilled and you are satisfied. So this is a little different from Marley Grace. You just ate two brownie cupcakes in Lane. I'm full, <laughs> but like not fully satisfied, right? I mean, some people might find fullness and <laughs> two chocolate cupcakes, but um, this is this is implying like a good meal, or mm. at least at least the needs are met. Maybe it's not the most fantastic meal you've ever had in the whole world. I really love Tish Harrison Warren's Liturgy of the Ordinary: Sacred Practices in Everyday Life, Amazing. where she talks about the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist in terms of in terms of eating leftovers. You have these normal meals of your life, and you don't really think anything of them, but these are the normal meals that get you through day to day, where you heat up three-day-old spaghetti and meatballs, <laughs> <laughs> and that gets you through, and that fills you up. And you don't really need to think much of it, um, but it's actually Warren challenges an opportunity to actually be grateful for those everyday meals that get you from one thing to the next and keep you, keep you filled and, and going in life. Yeah. Um, and Brueggemann also talks about uh, feeling that uh, desire to bless the Lord. For um, for Israel, this was an opportunity to turn their satiated attention back to Creator God, mm. who provided for everything. Um, and it also, in blessing the Lord for food and in being grateful for our everyday meals, this is also an opportunity um, to get rid of the illusion of self-sufficiency. It's not that I've provided for myself solely. It's an opportunity to see that God has been the one that has been supplying all of this for me. So it's kind of taking a step back from that individualistic culture that we live in and stepping into the communal, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, especially if you think about in the wilderness, uh, Israel, you know, walking around and they're wandering around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, God provides manna. And, and I don't think... You know, I, I'm pretty sure that after like 40 years of manna that people were like, wow, I am so done with my manna. I know. I'm just done. <laughs> I texted my grandma yesterday and I was like, please let us go to the grocery store when I get back home. <laughs> I need something else. Yeah. Um, but Israel was called to take that manna as an opportunity to thank the Lord for his provision because they are in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. There is no food. They don't have time to make crops. Um, they don't have time for to wait around for harvest, to store up. Even with the manna, they weren't even allowed to keep it till the next day um, because it would go bad um, right. because they were, t- they were supposed to trust the Lord's daily provision. Brueggemann talks about consumers 
And Pharaoh is one of his main examples. So, so creatures can have two responses, consumer or citizen. That's where we're going. Um, but this, this, we're going to first look at the response of consumer. And Pharaoh is Brueggemann's example. Pharaoh devours the Nile. He has unfettered consumerism, absent of citizenship, devours not only the, produ- the produce of creation, but the sources of produce until the land is reduced to waste. And we see also a contrast to this in the Sinai Covenant. Um, God makes um, one of his commandments, the fourth commandment, to be a Sabbath. And that is so that the land can rest. And, uh, and the people as slaves also, who were once slaves, can also rest. And this is, of course, as I just said, in contrast to Pharaoh, who used everything up from the land and worked the people of the land, um, the slaves, until they were laid waste. In the Sinai covenant, God limits the consuming propensity of human creatures. And we, we see this even in Genesis um, at the beginning when God gives that first command, thou shalt not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Um, so God, God has already provided in the garden and in the promised land for abundance. Um, what more could the people ask for right than to be in this this garden country and uh, adam and eve in the garden the garden um and still god says that's enough you don't you don't need that tree i have given you beyond what you need for your daily consumption and in israel he's given them this whole land so don't um, don't overwork this land. This land is good because there is an endless temptation to reduce social relations to market transactions. And I think this is a good tie-in with social media. We want to be, we want to have more followers. We right. want to have more likes. We want to have comments. We want people to to need us. You sometimes will hear people open up a video on uh, like Instagram stories and mm-hmm. they'll be like, so a lot of you guys have been asking about like, <laughs> where my rug is from. And you're like, uh, I wasn't asking. Um, but, but we all want to know. We all want to know. Where is the rug from? <laughs> where is it from? Yes. Um, but we're actually, at, we're commanded not, the Israelites are commanded not to covet. They're, they're asked not to ask their neighbor um, to be exactly like them. Um, there's obviously like, you can ask your neighbor for, you know, something you actually need. Um but if the desire is to become just like them, if the desire is to um, become better than them. Yeah, I feel like that plays into such a beautiful part of what we are creating or what we are hoping to create, which is authentic community online and in person. Um, we don't want to get rid of the in-person aspect of community because that is still vital. But we want to add um, what it looks like to have authentic community online and that one thing is that we have to die to ourselves and say, we're not going to covet. We're not going to compare. Or when we feel those ways, having to turn around and like, look to Jesus as like, what truth is he going to tell me? Or what are the truths that he reminds me of? Because so often we covet and we compare on social media. So we are hoping that through this podcast, we're able to break down that kind of system and that cycle of comparison so that we can step into that authentic relationship that is online. Mm. Yeah. And, and one way of, Doing things, one, one way of being authentic is, is realizing where you are in the present. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what the commandment for Sabbath also does for the people. It recognizes that they uh, have a week of work and then it is time to rest. And this is a regular rest. Um, and this is something that 
we uh, will hear conversations about in our culture about how uh, I remember. Uh, so I took German in high school. Random yeah. story. <laughs> I took German in high school. And uh, one thing that our um, German exchange student told us about was uh, the vacations that her parents would go on. These two, three week vacations at different times of the year. And we just couldn't imagine mm. being able to take a vacation, um, not just because of cost, but just um, just because of time. Yeah. And Brueggemann talks about this specifically with Pharaoh. Pharaoh, he says, has an anxiety from not having enough. So he has slaves because he's worried that he doesn't have enough. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think this even goes to what we're doing on the practical side. I'll give everyone a little insight to our handbook that we're creating. And one of the first things that we put in our handbook is this technology log. Not to make you feel bad about how much time you spend on technology because, man, we live in a world that is digital. I mean, Ellen and I are sitting right here doing this digitally. So <laughs> we totally understand. But looking at where am I over consuming and where am I looking more to digital space where I could spend more time either with in fellowship or in community with God and people. So that's going to be something important. Sabbath is important into that. So you can start and create a rhythm that allows us to disconnect from the pressure to be busy in this world. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons that this, this tech log is so important or um, just these conversations is that when our consumerism goes unchecked, Brueggemann calls this a narcotic that numbs to the cry from below. Wow. We're so ready to chase after the next thing. And we're so constantly trying to, to get the next thing, to see the next thing in order that we could get it, to see how we could possibly replicate the success of somebody else that we're actually not looking behind us mm -hmm. at those in need, those that aren't satiated, those that, um, have been cast out, the widows and orphans and aliens uh, for Israel, if if they're constantly like a pharaoh trying to work uh, other people, exploiting other people, then how are they ever going to become a revolutionary community of hope for all, all nations? Absolutely. This last piece of Brueggemann is Citizen. He says, citizens of the new politics are givers, and so they are blessed. The old politics of consumers is about receiving and taking and having and owning and eating. It is not a blessing. Citizens are called, um, as he said, to be givers, and and in in receiving, they are blessed. It's not in, in their... Um, chasing after the next thing, that they become blessed by the next thing. Yeah. They're actually blessed by what's right in front of them, by their daily sustenance. Marley, how, we've had this whole conversation about um, consuming, but how do we see this in our day and age? We, we've got, we have this big conceptual idea. What's a way we actually have a framework for seeing it today? Absolutely, and I think that there is so many wise words that Brueggemann gave us, gave us that I'm just super excited to dive into another author, another pastor. Um, his name is Andrew Root, and he wrote The Pastor in a Secular Age, Ministry to People Who No Longer Need a God. And I just feel like that really talks for a time because 
I just think of songs where it talks about I'm my own God or different sounds on like TikToks or Instagram yeah. reels. That's like, I am healthy. I am wealthy. Like I'm my person. Like I can do this. This is my own desire. I am the king or queen of my life. So I think that root is going to provide a really interesting perspective into the secular world, which might be challenging and might be a little uncomfortable, but get ready, buckle up. We're going to get uncomfy. We're going to go there. The first thing that Root tries to argue is that we live in this disenchanted time, meaning that there is no mystery. There is no reason for faith. Um, science can't explain everything. And this particular shift in our society has completely transformed the role of ministry um, leaders or pastors to maintain and uphold the enchanted because we have to say that science cannot prove everything. We have to believe in the faith of God for some things, because some things are just unexplainable. We'd like live in such a world where subjective truth is glorified and that leaves absolute truth and faith just completely to the wind. And that is not what Root wants. He is bringing us back to the central understanding of... This idea of science being able to explain everything is so different from the idea, from the background of the people in the Bible, um, where where we actually know that the earth is round and we know how many cottons there are, how many oceans right. we can measure space and we can, we can measure the space like stars. And, um, that wasn't conceivable. There was yeah. just what was right there and the people that you saw and who knows if there are people somewhere else in the world, what is the world? Right. And I think that is a, double-edged sword for our world today where it is beautiful that we can connect with people around the world like I think wow my parents live in the in the middle of Europe they live in the Czech Republic and I'm so thankful that I have the technology to communicate with them mm -hmm. but if I was back in let's say the 19th century like man I wouldn't be able to easily communicate with my family um, telling the word of God in different language or trying to communicate cross-culture would be so much more different than what we do now and I think Root is trying to balance this level of man like we do know a lot more than we have ever known in this world how do we balance that and use that so that we're able to move forward in discipleship in the Christian faith so he talks about this binge-worthy golden age meaning that we love to binge whether that's Netflix shows food shopping Movie. literally we binge everything the uh, brownie cupcakes i mentioned earlier like <laughs> it's crazy and this is crazy because then we just have like that means something is always occupying our space and time we leave no room and space to just be like if i was just to stop talking for 10 seconds that was awkward that's a little awkward, right? Little yeah. <laughs> but this is what Root is saying, that we need to have these spaces, these sacred spaces, um, which we no longer have sacred spaces like a saint's tomb or a cathedral because we live in such a modern world, which is fine. But his calling is that we are called to be imaginative with our sacred spaces. He says holiness was not found um, only in warehouses of the church, but was worked out in our day-to-day -day lives. The heightened value of the ordinary allowed for the creation of institutions like the fire brigade and home insurance. And when I think of this, I'm thinking like, man, I'm super excited. I get to live in a single next year and I am pumped because I'm going to create my for myself a sacred space so that I can enter in and encounter Jesus 
and it'll be the space where I set up and every day I'm going to try to go to and I can invite people into that and we don't have that we don't have that in this day and age we our sacred space is our phone which mm. again wow while that is somewhat helpful um, a lot of times that's a de- detriment because we're on our phone I mean how many times do we walk around campus and people have airpods in looking at their phone and no one ever says hi I just feel like God is calling us to something that's much deeper and longer to be vulnerable um, in community. And that means we have to step outside of ourself on social media, which is hard, but I think it can be, I think it can be done. And I think a root um, also looks at this idea of buffering, uh, which talks about the inner self being justified by the act of Jesus, which sets the sinner free. So if you're hearing this and you're like, oh my gosh, I am that person who walked across campus <laughs> looking at my phone, my AirPods in, like, don't feel like we're coming at you. This is not what this podcast is doing, not what this practical theology project is was meant for. But really, it's to say you're set free from the bondage of what consumption and what the corporation of this world has shackled you to. Like you are set free. You're set free because Jesus, and he He wants you to walk into those spaces and to use them. Um, I mean, we look to Romans 12 and we'll talk about this in another podcast, but we get to be transformed and we get to use the things of this world to our advantage to glorify the Lord. Root is talking a lot about how we have to set up that buffer and that we have to give ourselves space in order to reflect and to meditate. And, you know, I know that there are crazy full-time moms at home wondering, man, how do I have this time when I have three kids hanging off me from 6 a.m. in the morning until 7 p.m. at night? I just want to say, one, I I don't know. (laughs) I'm not a mom. Ellen is not a mom. (laughs) We both have younger siblings, so we can attest to the uh, big sister life. But I think that there's a way, I mean, even with college, we're constantly busy. I mean, I haven't been back to my room and I've been out of my room since 7.45 this morning. Mm. And I have to intentionally find a space in which I'm going to sit and be with God. And maybe that's, you know, not being in silence. Maybe that's being in a a loud room and I just have to have a book or my Bible open and I just can go back and look at it during the day and be like, oh, that's a verse. Let me reread it. Let me read this verse over and over and over. So I don't want people to feel discouraged if they're super busy, but also be conscientious of how and when you spend your time so that you can spend it with the Lord. I think we also are looking to encourage practices that are accessible to you wherever you are, because ultimately (laughs) uh, Christ is everywhere. The spirit is always working. Uh, God is always breaking into the here and now. So it's not so much that we have to find God or bring God in. God is here. How are we how are we actually willing to engage beyond the noise that is our phone, um, beyond the screen and the emails um, and text messages, notifications, beyond all these things that are vying for our attention? What if we gave our attention to God who is yeah, right here offering his attention? Yeah, and I mean, even just listening to a podcast and thinking, wow, how am I glorifying God just by listening to a podcast? That is an act of worship. I feel like a lot of people are like, man, if I if I don't read my Bible every single day, then I'm not worshiping God. And we need to destroy and deconstruct that lie because if you're done th- doing something for the glory of God and you're pursuing a relationship with him, like that is worshiping the Father. And eating is worshiping the Father. Absolutely. God asked that his people would eat and remember him and his provision. 
So we are hopeful that you too can eat and be satisfied. Yeah, so that's the end of podcast number two in this series. We encourage you right now to go get a snack, maybe eat dinner with some friends. <laughs> Talk about this podcast with the community that you are going through this with. Look at the handbook. There will be a whole section about um, what it looks like to shift from consumerism into a life that is um, open-handed, surrendered to the Lord. But we are super excited and we can't wait to see you back next time.